Mina, we have to turn back. Cadmus grips the handrail on the dead Reckoning's flight deck, his knuckles white. There is genuine fear in his voice. If that vessel captures us, you know well what they'll do. Board us, kill us, then strip this ship of everything they can use to bolster their own. We can't possibly fight them. They outgun us, they outpace us, and cut off our intended route. We have no choice, Mina. We must return to the city. I only pray we can reach it in time. Mina is well aware that they are outmatched. Even from this distance, she can see the fast-approaching pirate vessel is simply bristling with cannon. And a ship of that size, scavenged from so many other vessels, surely has sufficient propulsion to catch them in a straight race. But Mina is less inclined to run. If they do that, their mission is as good as over before it has begun. And who's to say what's waiting for them back in Kairos is any less deadly than the pack of bloodthirsty cutthroats approaching them. No, this is a challenge they need to face and overcome. Instead of turning tail, she works the problem, scanning her ship's console for inspiration, seeking insights into this sleek little vessel's capabilities. This is an enlightened dropship, after all, the vessel of an elite strike force. It must come with some tricks up its sleeve. Her eyes alight on a series of dials, then follow the segmented brass conduits that connect them to a series of heavy, wound coils that line the full length of the cabin ceiling. A slow, slightly mad grin spreads across her face as her gaze flits between the ship's mechanisms and the oncoming pirate ship. I think I have a better idea, Cadmus. Batten down the hatches. We're going down. Hello and welcome to The Lone Adventurer, an actual play solo RPG podcast with me, Carl White. I will be your narrator, your games master, and your guide as we follow our heroes on their journey into the unknown. For this game, I will be using the Iron Sworn Starforge rule set, as well as a variety of other systems, tools, and tables as they take my fancy. A word of warning. The following scenes may contain mature themes and disturbing imagery. Listener discretion is advised. The adventure continues. Last time on The Lone Adventurer, Mina escaped the destruction of the Opera House. Though the web were left for dead... Mina was able to capture an Enlightenment skyship, the Dead Reckoning, and use it to flee the city with Cadmus and Barbican. Her goal now is to cross the Void Sea to reach the continent of Conflict, where she knows a skyship fleet is being amassed that is bent on the utter destruction of the League of Free States. This journey is perilous in the extreme, not least because Mina has chosen to travel the Open Void. She is risking flying over the poisonous, acidic clouds that spread unending below them, rather than rely on the safety the world chains represent. And as if to hammer home the peril of their chosen path, not an hour out of the city, they are intercepted by scrap pirates.
Cadmus goes white. Down? Into the lower depths? Surely you can't be serious. Even a short time in the clouds will corrode the hull. If we stay down there too long, the gases will burn right through and we'll die a death far more horrible than any those pirates might have in store for us. He pauses for a moment, considering, and then adds with a slight shudder, well, assuming they don't decide to push us overboard and into the endless drop. But Mina is only half listening. No time to explain, Cadmus. You're just going to have to trust me on this one. We're going where they can't follow. But that ship is getting close and we are only going to get one shot at this. Get the hatches secure quickly or this is going to be a really short trip. She works the console, hands flying over levers and dials, her brow creased with concentration. I'm pretty sure this is right, she mutters to herself, thankfully too quietly for Cadmus to overhear. Come on, please be right. She cranks up a large dial to its maximum setting, then drops into the pilot's seat, shaking hands, gripping the navigation controls. Okay, hold on, you two. This might get... Whatever she'd been about to say is lost, as the ship suddenly drops like a stone, accelerating downwards far faster than it has any right to. Mina feels herself lifting out of her seat, and wishes belatedly she'd thought to strap in. From the sound of the horrified wail behind her, Cadmus isn't faring much better. Still, she maintains the sharp dive, the cloud layer hurtling up to greet them. She glances over at the display dials and her heart sinks. Though the coils are powering up, they are still not activated. She glances back and forth between the display, the approaching pirate ship and the onrushing clouds. This is going to be awfully tight. Puffs of arcanic smoke erupt from the surface of the pirate vessel as they finally enter weapons range and open up with their full battery of arcane cannon. Bolts of crackling arcanicity streak towards the dead reckoning. Almost there, Mina whispers as the needle creeps inexorably closer to the red. Almost there! Trying to evade the incoming fire, she yanks hard to larboard, sending the diving ship into an arcing barrel roll and leaving its occupants clinging on for dear life. Then they hit the clouds. All visibility is immediately reduced to zero, and in that same instant, the whole ship seems to shudder and thrum with sudden power. The coils lining the cabin ceiling light up, green energy crackling over them, and Mina punches the air in triumph. Yes, she cries, battling to stabilise the ship. She turns back to Cadmus in relief, sagging back in her chair. The arcanic shields work! We made it! Cadmus, battered and bruised from being tossed around the cabin, stares back at her, too incredulous to speak. His expression, though, speaks volumes. Welcome back to Season 3 of The Lone Adventurer, now powered by Ironsworn Starforged. That little white-knuckle ride that opened our episode was courtesy of three moves, along with an asset ability. First off, in response to the circumstances we found ourselves presented with at the end of the last chapter, Mina decided to apply that big brain of hers to the problem at hand, rather than going off half-cocked. I figured, because Mina had previous skyship experience, and because she was a tinkerer and a technomancer, she could scan the ship's systems to find something that would help her. 
that was represented mechanically in the rules by the secure an advantage move, which states, when you assess a situation, make preparations or attempt to gain leverage, envision your action and roll. If you act with expertise, focus or observation, roll plus wits. I got a strong hit, which meant that Mina took plus two momentum and added plus one to her next move roll. That meant that when she went into her face danger roll, she did so with both a narrative and a mechanical advantage. She had a plan. Exactly what that plan was and why she decided upon it will be explained shortly, but suffice to say for now that it could work. All she had to do was execute it successfully. And so she made her face danger roll, this time using heart as the stat to represent resolve and command, and with the benefit of that plus one from the secure advantage roll, she got a weak hit. On a weak hit, you succeed, but not without a cost. Make a suffer move, minus one. Well, the obvious suffer move here was withstand damage, which states, when your vehicle faces a damaging situation or environment, suffer minus one integrity for minor damage, minus two for serious damage, or minus three for major damage. If your integrity is zero, lose momentum equal to any remaining damage. Then, if your integrity is zero, or you choose to resist the damage, roll plus integrity. And here is where the asset I mentioned came into play, which had formed the basis of Mina's secure and advantage move in the first place. Her ship has the reinforced hull module, and that asset states... When you withstand damage, add plus one. On a strong hit, take plus one momentum. And, lo and behold, I chose to resist and rolled a strong hit on my withstand damage roll. Here's what the move says for that result. On a strong hit, choose one. Bypass. If your vehicle is not battered, take plus one integrity. Or ride it out. Take plus one momentum. So Mina was able to crank up the ship's magical shields just in time, negating that minus one to hull integrity, and leaving her at her starting five integrity. And in addition to that, thanks to the asset, I got plus one momentum into the bargain. The ship and the crew were safe. For now, at least. Let's see how that works out for them. I spotted it when the ship smashed through the Opera House roof, Mina is explaining, flush with excitement at their narrow escape. The sudden flash of green light when they burst through. Magical shielding, you see. And if those shields were powerful enough to withstand the impact of smashing through a building, well, I calculated they'd be more than strong enough to protect us from the corrosive effects of the gases down here. The pirate ship, on the other hand, well, you just had to look at it to see that something cobbled together from a dozen ships had no chance of surviving within the cloud layer. They might be big, and they might be fast and well-armed, but there's no structural integrity there. Any ship built like that is bound to be leaky as a sieve. I'm betting they'd be coughing their lungs up after 30 seconds down here. She pats the console fondly. She may be small, but she's got it where it counts. This is one tough little ship. I do wonder, though, what was a pirate ship doing so close to Kyra's airspace? Could they have wind of the troubles in the city, do you think? She takes a breath, looks up, and the look on Cadmus's face cuts her short. 
she can't remember having ever seen the devotant look angry. She opens her mouth again to speak, but this time no words come out. Mina, I told you I was with you on this. Whatever your path, I would share it. And I will. But I would appreciate just a little more discussion before you make such life-and-death decisions. Particularly decisions about my life-and-death. He sighs. Though in truth I'm not sure discussion, either of our mission or that terrifying escape, would have altered the outcome at all. I understand, Cadmus. Really, I do, but... I'm not sure I'd be able to do what you ask. At least, not when we need to move fast. Out here, out on the void sea, the rules are different. A moment's hesitation could be the difference between that life or death. Ships have a captain for a good reason. When the fast or difficult choices need to be made, it has to be down to one person to make them, and everyone else to act. And I can't promise that we won't find ourselves in that situation again. The two discuss their changed circumstances, gradually feeling their way towards some new equilibrium as the dead reckoning continues a stealth run within the clouds. The instruments give Mina a reasonable idea of their heading, but the deeper they descend, the less reliable the instruments become, and they dare not surface too soon for fear of being spotted again by their pursuer. It is several hours later that Mina eventually risks breaking cover, and only then, because she is growing increasingly concerned that the impact sustained shield generation is having on power levels. Thankfully, there is no sign of the scavengers. Well, that's something, I suppose, Mina says, though she doesn't look happy. A problem, Mina? Cadmus asks, picking up on her mood. Mina sighs. As the thrill of escape has worn off, the realities of their situation have begun to sink in. I've searched the ship, Cadmus, and unsurprisingly for a ship deployed on a city mission, we have no charts, nothing to help us set and track our course. I'm going on little more than guesswork at the moment, and way out here, that's as likely as anything else is to get us killed. The downside of acting quickly was that we were able to grab this ship and get out of the city. The downside is that we're not equipped to undertake this sort of journey and the charts are only part of it. We have no supplies of food or water aboard. I should have thought it through, but in the heat of the moment... It is perhaps six hours later that a circular sending stone, embedded in the brass plating of the console, begins to pulse a deep red. I'm guessing that signifies nothing good, Cadmus comments. Transmission? Out here in remote void? Mina wonders. What sort of transmission? Cadmus asks. Only one way to find out, Mina replies, leaning over to activate the stone. A distorted, distant voice echoes through the cabin. SOS! 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 This is Captain Cadabbers of the DSS Rubicon. We are under attack by unknown hostiles. They've breached our hull and disabled our engines. We request immediate assistance from any friendly ships in the vicinity. Our coordinates are 23.4, 12.7... 8.9. Repeat, SOS. This is an emergency distress call from the DSS Rubicon. Please, respond. They listen in silence as the message repeats again and again. An acoustical beacon, Mina concludes. It's repeating at intervals of 12 seconds. The pair look at one another, knowing that this beacon could represent the solution to their problems or some fresh danger. Well, 
Cadmus asks. What say you, Captain Amontesario? Is this an opportunity or a trap? Only one way to find out, Mina replies. Strap in, Cadmus. Barbican, we have a distress call to answer. Okay, I apologise. Clearly, I just can't resist my movie quotes this chapter. I think I'm up to three Star Wars ones already, and that alien one, of course. At least I resisted the temptation earlier to have Mina say, don't call me Shirley. I'll just get them out of my system this chapter, and then we can press on. Honest. This last scene was all about one move, mechanically speaking. Failing to learn my lesson from the last time I made this move, or from the way my prep for the face danger move earlier this chapter played out, I forgot to secure an advantage before making my next undertaken expedition move. And so, when I rolled a 7 and 9 on the challenge dice, my total of 7 on the action dice was not enough to avoid a miss. Remember, you have to beat the number on the challenge dice, not just equal it. And if I had succeeded on a secure advantage move and gained that plus one, well, that's exactly what I would have done. But instead of a weak hit, I got a miss. Let that be a lesson to me. As we saw the last time I tried this move and failed, not a miss, you are waylaid by a crisis, or arrive at a waypoint to confront an immediate hardship or threat. Do not mark progress and pay the price. Well, the last time we were waylaid by a crisis, and so this time I elected to arrive at a waypoint. Waypoints in Starforged are simply points along your route where you have the opportunity to pause, rest, explore, or move on if you wish. I consulted the Oracle to determine the nature of this waypoint, and the prompt interesting <clears throat> and the prompt interestingly lonely brought to mind the image of a derelict ship. Some more rolls on the Starforged Derelict Oracle gave me a ship name, condition, and detail, specifically that distress call. There were some more Oracle details that came up, but we'll get to those in the next scene. Anyway, the creation of that waypoint then led me to ask myself, why would Mina be put in a difficult or threatening situation because of this location? The idea that she was forced by the circumstances of limited resources to have to go and investigate a potentially hazardous site seemed to fit the bill, and so the conditions of my miss were fulfilled. Back into danger we go. Before we find out what awaits our team on the stricken Rubicon, another comment on AI as a writing aid. I've been playing with the Bing AI some more, and although there are some things that I've thrown at it that it just really can't handle, I've had a bit more success with more straightforward prompts. For example, here's a prompt I wrote that gave me some useful content. Genre, Magitech, Sci-Fi, Fantasy. Write me a distress call from the Skyship DSS Rubicon. The content it provided was actually pretty good, only requiring a tiny bit of reworking to be able to drop into my narrative. I think that Based on this, I'll keep experimenting with the tool as something for GM-side content. Obviously, anything PC-side should be me and me alone, but I'm using move outcomes and oracles to represent GM fiat, so why not add AI into that toolkit? Although my early attempts have had mixed results, I need to keep in mind that AI is a tool, and like any tool, 
the quality of the output is dependent on the skill of the user. I'll continue to experiment and hopefully learn, and I'll flag it if and when I use it in this game. As usual, I've included details of how to access and use Bing AI in the show notes. Right, who wants to find out what terrors or delights the Rubicon has in store for us? It doesn't take long to home in on the stranded ship's signal, and at face value, it does appear that the distress call has been a genuine one. The vessel, some sort of heavy freighter or transport ship, appears to be heavily damaged, with parts of the hull missing completely. Worse, it is listing heavily to one side, and has partially sunk into the cloud layer. Only the upper third of the vessel remains fully clear of the dense, eerily shifting sea of fog. Though the distress call continues to play over the ship's sending stone, there is no sign of activity from this distance. It could still be a trap, Cadmus suggests. Raiders lying in wait beneath the cloud layer, just waiting for someone foolhardy or greedy enough to come along exploring. Mina can't argue. The same thought has crossed her mind, too. That's a risk we're just going to have to face, I'm afraid. This may be our best chance at finding what we need, and if the distress call is genuine, there may be survivors in need of rescue. Let's not forget that. Just take it slowly and carefully. Be ready for anything. Keep an eye out for provisions and charts, as well as anything that might give us a clue as to what a Dominion ship might be doing way out here. First order of business, though. With that ship half-submerged, we're going to need protective gear. Help me look. There's bound to be some on board the Dead Reckoning. Depth suits are typically carried as standard on all skyships. Essential safety gear against the risk of descending into the cloud layer, or for those rare occasions where freak atmospheric conditions draw the toxins up and over the world chains. In those circumstances, the poisonous, corrosive gases can easily penetrate poorly armoured or prepared skyships, and when they do, corrosion-resistance bodysuits combined with helmets and breathing apparatus grant the wearers a short period of grace in which to escape their predicament. With Mina, Cadmus, and even Barbican suitably protected, the Dead Reckoning glides slowly to a halt alongside the larger vessel, her crew alert for any sign of movement. All right, here we go, Mina says as the crew clamber out onto their ship's observation deck. Quiet and careful, both of you. These suits won't survive prolonged exposure to the fog, so we need to be in and out as quickly as possible. The Rubicon proves to be a tomb, silent and still. Those few crew members that survived the battle have long since succumbed to the caustic gases of the Void Sea. The search of the derelict soon turns up a healthy stockpile of food and water, well sealed and unspoiled, as well as navigational charts and protective scroll tubes. But the Rubicon holds far greater secrets than that. It quickly proves apparent that this was no simple freighter, although it has been disguised to look like one. As they descend into the bowels of the ship, the truth dawns. The entire lower deck has been blown out by a powerful explosion, but there are sufficient twisted remains of bay doors for them to realise the truth. This ship was a heavy bomber. And that's not all. Cadmus, look at these blast marks, Mina says, running a hand over scorched and shattered floatwood beams. This ship wasn't attacked, at least not by another vessel. This damage came from within. 
Remember what the distress call said? We're under attack by unknown hostiles. They've breached our hull and disabled our engines. They weren't talking about an external attacker, but an internal one. Cadmus simply beckons Mina in response. He stands aside to reveal something daubed on the wall. Three letters within a circle. The letters L, F, S. And the League of Free States. I started this scene by envisaging it, and the thought of a half-submerged vessel led to the idea that hazmat suits would come in handy. In Starforged, you don't have a list of everything that you own, like you might have in a system like D&D. Instead, if you want something outside the normal stuff you would typically be carrying, you'd make the check your gear move. That move says, when you check to see if you have a specific helpful item or resource, roll plus supply. Mina's supply is at 5, and I got a strong hit on my roll, and so that not only meant that I had the suits, but that I could take plus 1 momentum. Next, it was time to make the Explore a Waypoint move. When you divert from an expedition to examine a notable location, roll plus wits. And once again, miraculously, I scored a strong hit. This run of luck can't last. The dice gods are storing up some sort of major pain for me, I can tell. Anyway, that strong hit meant that I could get everything that I'd gone in looking for, as well as another plus two momentum. Well, that maxed out my momentum track at ten. We will get to what momentum is at some point soon, I promise. With that explore a waypoint move resolved, I decided it was time to ask if anything else of interest was on board, and my perchance oracle popped up with this little gem. The event relates to a situation, war on the League of Free Nations. If required, here is a mythic to action and theme, deposit opposition. And here is a mythic to descriptor and focus, loyally modern. Now, I could have interpreted those prompts myself as normal, but nothing immediately sprang to mind as I looked at them, and so once again I decided to let my AI step back into the role of virtual GM for this scene and see what it could make of them. Here's the prompt I gave the Bing AI. Genre. Magitech. Interpret these prompts in the context of an intrigue-heavy adventure in which a derelict skyship, the Rubicon, has been discovered drifting and empty in the Void Sea. Deposit opposition loyally modern. The answer has something to do with the war on the League of Free States. And here, verbatim, is what Bing AI came back with. Deposit opposition. The Rubicon was once a secret weapon of the Empire, capable of depositing powerful bombs on enemy cities from high above. However, it was sabotaged by a group of rebels who opposed the Empire's tyranny and wanted to end the war. They managed to infiltrate the skyship and plant explosives that caused it to crash into the Void Sea, where it remained hidden. Loyally Modern The League of Free States is a coalition of former colonies that broke away from the Empire and formed their own independent nations. They are loyal to each other and share a common vision of progress and innovation. They have developed advanced magitech that rivals the Empire's own, such as airships, firearms and automatons. They are determined to defend their freedom and sovereignty from the Empire's aggression. I think I may have just found my perfect use case for AI in this game. 
That response, in my opinion, was pretty damned impressive, and really fits my game. So, Mina and crew find themselves, for once, in a pretty strong position. They have a long way to go, and no doubt many perils to face along the way, but for now they, and I, can take a long, deep breath, and give thanks that they're not on the ropes. Who knows when we'll be able to say that again. Until next time. You have been listening to The Lone Adventurer, a solo RPG podcast played, written, and performed by me, Carl White. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider telling your friends about it or leaving a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. It really is a huge help. You can find me on Twitter at TheLoneADV. You can email me at TheLoneADV at gmail.com or follow my blog at carlillustration.wordpress.com You can find show notes for this episode and all the others at theloneadventurer.podbean.com where I include any links mentioned in the episode as well as mechanics information. I also include a link to a full episode transcript. The story will continue in the next episode of The Lone Adventurer. Thank you for listening.